Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez. I'll just give you guys a quick look behind the scenes here at our podcast. I record this from my uh, my apartment, usually just sitting uh, right at my little trade table here that I have set up where I put the microphone and have my notes and what have you to speak. And I was getting everything ready and getting everything set up to start this podcast. And I started my uh, program to start recording. And I began to talk. And then I realized about 30 seconds in that there was no microphone. <laughs> so I was talking into the ether. So I just goes to show you, I'm a, I'm a long way from being professional. Unless maybe the professionals are doing this. And I've never heard about it. But uh, that's a new one, recording a podcast without a microphone. Only here at Indie Talk. But we have a microphone now. I hope it's loud and clear and you can hear what I got to say. Because I have to talk about two great shows, Ring of Honor TV and uh, Lucha Underground. I know it has seemed for the last month or so that these are the only shows we're talking about. Trust me, I am going to get to that Evolve show. I am going to get to the couple of women's shows. It's just I fell a little bit far behind with being under the weather a couple of weeks ago, and I've just been racing to try to keep up. But on to the show, and let's talk about, first, we're going to talk about Ring of Honor TV. This was uh, aired on the 2nd of May, 2015, and only two matches on the show. It's, it's not that strange for Ring of Honor, but you know if there were only two matches, you know they must be good ones, and they were. Opening match, War Machine. The team of uh, Rowan Hansen versus the Killer Elite Squad, which consists of the American Psycho Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr., of course, known to some of you as D.H. Smith. Uh, these guys are a huge deal in Japan and America at this point. They are currently the NWA Tag Team Champions, they are currently the GHC. Tag Team Champions. GHC is the top tag titles for the NOAA promotion in Japan. They are also former multiple-time New Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champions. So this team, the Killer Elite Squad, you may have never seen them. You may never have heard of them. But trust me, they are the real deal. I've seen many matches with them, and they really work well together. And they're led to the ring by Michael Elgin. This is the team that Michael Elgin brought in to try to take out War Machine as for the re the explanation for the reason for this feud of Elgin and War Machine is kind of flimsy, but what are you going to have? You know, apparently he's angry with them. I don't know why. He just is. <laughs> just turned on War Machine after War Machine helped him become champion. I guess it's all the point of Elgin's, uh, how they portrayed his descent into uh, almost madness, and so he turns on all his friends. With no apparent reasoning. But um, on to the match. The action is fast and furious. Right from the bell. Killer Elite Squad start to slow things down. And they take control for a bit. But War Machine mounts a comeback. Um, I really have to say. Watching War Machine for the last few weeks. I have been impressed. But you know, as usual. One guy is going to outshine the other. To some people. And this guy Ro. I really like him. 
Not that there's anything wrong with Hanson, there's not, but I just really am impressed with Rowe. They wind up hitting Archer with a double choke slam and then hit the fallout. And the rest starts to make the count, but he's pulled out the ring by Elgin. Hanson then hits a suicide dive on Elgin, taking him out. Killer Elite Squad wind up regaining control, hitting a bear hug clothesline combo a la the Heart Foundation. On row, they get a two count. And then it just things like things just break down. These guys just start brawling in the ring. They're amazing counters, suplex, slams, lariats. A referee Paul Turner, though, just can't seem to get, you know, it basically has become a Texas tornado match. And uh, Turner decides it's enough, and he calls it a no contest. I gave it three stars. It could have been more, if not for the non-finish. And I always feel like sometimes... I know the rules are one guy in, one guy in the apron and what have you. But I don't know. Sometimes I feel like in matches like this, just let it go. Um, Let them fight, you know? I don't know. I love both these teams. Uh, Both teams, they really look good. But they, even after the match is over, they continue the brawl. Even Elgin coming in the ring and joining the fray. Total mayhem in the ring. And uh, that's how it ends. They just cut the commercial with everything that's bedlam. When we come back to commercial, we see a video montage of the Addiction winning the tag titles uh, last week and then revealing them to be KRD along with Chris Saban. And then we get our main event, which is for the Ring of Honor Television Championship. And the champion, Jay Lethal, defends against Tommaso Ciampa, who is the man that Jay defeated to gain that belt over a year ago. Jay's in control most of the way here. Um, Ciampa does mount a quick comeback, and he hits like a throwing German, which was nice. He hit a knee strike to send Jay to the floor. Ciampa just takes over out on the outside. He's just beating the tar out of Lethal on the floor. Uh, sitting him on chairs that seem to be set up in each corner, and they're hitting multiple running knees. He really, Jay was really uh, taking uh, a bad beating on the outside for a while. Finally, get back in the ring. Both men exchange some really nice strikes and wind up, uh, both of them wind up down the center of the ring. Uh, a little later, there's another great sequence where Ciampa winds up hitting a rope hung DDT for a near fall. Jay comes back net. He goes for the, he hits the lethal combination, but Ciampa turns it into the Sicilian stretch. Very nice sequence there. There were nice sequences up and down this match, really. Very well-worked match. Ciampa winds up dealing with some Truth Martini interference. He goes out after him, and D-Jack, the newest member of the House of Truth, he gets in between them. Ciampa just starts shoving D-Jack, getting in his face. And Jay sees this. He goes for a dive, but Ciampa was ready, and he winds up hitting uh, the white noise out on the floor. He tosses him in, covers for two. Tommaso brings him up to the top rope, hits white noise again from the top rope. He covers, looks like we're going to have a new champion. Martini pulls referee uh, Todd Sinclair out the ring. And while now Sinclair's arguing with Martini, Donovan Dijak slips in, hits his discus boot on Ciampa, and then quickly uh, leaves. Jay covers, but Ciampa kicks out of that. And then Tommaso takes out D-Jack with a cannibal plancher. 
comes back to the ring, catches Jay with discus lariat, covers for two. Crowd is really getting into the match at this point. After a top rope elbow and another near fall, uh, D-Jack tries to interfere again. Referee Todd Sinclair's had enough. He tosses both he and Martini from the ringside area. While this is happening, Lito hits a low blow on Ciampa as Sinclair is busy dealing with Martini and D-Jack. Then he, healed, he nails the lethal injection, gets the three count. Fantastic match. I gave this four stars. This might be the best Ciampa match I have ever seen. And I'm pretty sure this was his last match with the company as the fans are chanting, thank you, Ciampa, uh, after the match. And uh, then after the match, Ciampa goes to shake Sinclair's hand and kicks him low, throws him in the corner, hits five running knee strikes to the head in the corner. So I guess this is how they'll explain that, you know, Nigel will suspend him indefinitely for hitting a referee or whatever. So this is the way they're going to write Tommaso Ciampa off of Ring of Honor, it looks like. And that's the show. And I know it's a quick review. There's only two matches, but two matches that you should definitely see, especially the Lethal Ciampa match was fantastic. It was another great show for Ring of Honor. Like I said, you know, I talk about this almost every week. Ring of Honor... There's not much in the way of storylines and skits and segments. This is wrestling. You want to watch great in-ring action, Eternal Ring of Honor, outside of, I would say, New Japan, and at times, Lucha Underground, there's no place you're going to find better in-ring action than Ring of Honor. There's not. Okay, before we go to Lucha Underground, usually this is where I give you some news, but... There's no news to give. A uh, very quiet week. Um, there were some WWE came out with their numbers. Apparently, they're doing very well. They report in their uh, to their stockholders. Things are going very well for them financially. And uh, the only other thing, I guess, which is not really wrestling related, but of course, unless you were living under a rock, you know that uh, Floyd Mayweather defeated Manny Pacquiao in a match that came five years too late. I'm not going to get into my personal feelings on Floyd Mayweather. I have been arguing on social media with people about this for about three days. Uh, I just, I, I think he's a classless human being. And uh, nothing to do with his boxing skill. He's a great fighter. He won the match fair and square. Pacquiao has not been his prime for a few years, which is really why the match came five years too late. Um, this match really needed to happen back then when Pacquiao was in his prime. And Mayweather still may have beat him. I'm not going to sit and say I'm positive Pacquiao would have won five years ago. But I think it would have been a better match. You would have seen Floyd tested a bit more. Uh, the, to me, the, the fight was kind of boring, but no surprise. Pretty much like every other Mayweather fight I ever see. Um, nothing different about it. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, boxing is in huge trouble. Although we're hearing today... They're always trying to plant seeds for a rematch by Pacquiao claiming he was injured. If you people fall for that one, I got a bridge that I got sitting over in Brooklyn doing nothing with. And I'll be willing to let you have it at a good price. Okay, so let's move on to Lucha Underground. This is episode 25, I believe, which aired, what was this? This aired April 29th. And the show opens uh, in the Conicombs. As Dario is dressing down the crew 
after they failed to get the job done last week in the trios title match, you know, basically telling them, you know what a layup is. I gave you a layup and you blew it. Uh, so he's not too happy about what happened. He decides to take him, opens the door to where the jail cell is and has him go inside and they come face to face with Dario's monster who's still locked up all this time. Dario refers to him as his brother. Not sure if that he ever said that before today. He might have. I'm not positive, but if he did, I didn't catch it. I definitely caught it today. He said it's his brother. And he says that they fail him again. They're going to have to apologize to him from inside that cell. And uh, the looks on the crew's face gives you a hint at somebody very big and very impo- uh, imposing. I'm wondering uh, who will be playing this role when it's finally revealed. I was thinking maybe the great Kali. Um, he's not with WWE anymore. And uh, he would fit the bill as somebody really scary looking. So uh, I'm just uh, wondering, wondering who we could possibly be going to show. That's just one thought I had. We go to the ring. Melissa gives us the opponents for our first match. It's Phoenix versus Killshot. Notice we haven't seen too much of Phoenix since the casket match, and I was surprised at that. I felt after him defeating uh, Mil Muertes that we will see Phoenix more in the main event picture, but that hasn't happened. Killshot, of course, uh, one of the men that Big Rick brought in as his trio's team, African-American wrestler. He wears a mask with like a bullseye on it. Pretty even, but slightly clumsy match early on. Kyosha does hit a flying cutter, which looked nice, but uh, he hits it and both men are down. For some reason, the flying cutter hurt Kyosha, I guess. Later on, Kyosha sits Phoenix on the top rope and then charges, but eats a thrust kick right to the mush. Phoenix then hits a spinning back fist and then charges, but he's caught with a spinning back kick. Phoenix comes back. Hits the fire driver. I guess it's kind of like a variation of the Michinoku driver. And he gets the win. The match was not very good early on. It picked up a little at the end. Still, I didn't think the timing was um, all that good in this match. I gave it two and a half stars. There were a couple of nice spots. But I thought the flow of the match uh, suffered a little. And we are back in that nasty bathroom. With Drago and Dario again. I swear, I if, <laughs> I, if anybody um, knows differently, feel free to give me a comment. I don't remember ever seeing this bathroom unless Drago and Dario in it. Isn't it like their own private bathroom? Dario wanted to tell Drago that uh, he never thanked him for his unique opportunity tonight. He says he knows he's mad about the stipulation, which, of course, if he loses uh, his title shot, he's gone for Lucha Underground. But he says it's perfect for him because dragons, he's fighting extinction, his whole life type of deal. Uh, Dragon gives Dario a menacing look and walks out. I don't think he liked uh, <laughs> uh, Dario's explanation of why he did this. Go to the commercial. We come back. We see Puma sitting in a locker room in some part of the catacombs. And here goes Dario again. He tells him he can't feel bad if he ends Drago's career tonight. Warriors can only think about victory, and he only wants Warriors as his champion. Dario starts to leave when he is confronted by Hernandez. 
Hernandez is angry because he's been booked in a three-way match tonight against Cage and Cuerno, two guys who are blaming him for losing title matches. So Hernandez feels like you put him in a two-on-one situation. So Darius says he's going to change it to make it a number-one contenders match so that both Cuerno and Cage will not just be teaming up to beat on him. They'll all want to win equally. Uh, Hernandez seems to like this idea. And uh, we, we see Puma, who's overhearing the whole thing. And again, you know, he doesn't speak, so he has to do these overly dramatic physical motions to show his, I don't know, sadness over this. I, I, I really don't... Um, in this case, I understand him being upset about the Drago situation. I don't understand why he's why he's so sad about Hernandez. But maybe I'm reading it wrong. Uh, we go back to the ring, and we have four men introduced to us by my future wife, Melissa Santos. It's Famous B, Ricky Mandel, Vinny Macero, and Argenis. And uh, these are four men who all had their arms busted by Pentagon Jr., the match has barely started when Tejano runs in. He destroys everyone, including the referee. Grabs a mic, cuts a promo in Spanish, challenging the guy who attacked him last week to come fight him in the temple. The announcers and Tejano act like they don't know who it is. Of course, we know it was Sean Davari. Not sure if that's what his name's going to be uh, when he debuts here, but uh, that's definitely who attacked him. Zero stars. You can't, it wasn't even a match. It was uh, just a thing to get Tejano over. And then we're back to another segment with Dario. A lot of Dario segments today. Dario takes a walk outside the temple rear entrance where he meets a super fan, Marty the Moth Martinez. I instantly recognized him as Martin from The Last Tough Enough. And if you don't remember who Martin was, he was the guy who looked like he was going to win the whole thing until he got injured and I had to leave the competition. And so it's him. He's got a beard now, but he, outside of that, he pretty much looks exactly the same. And he's telling Dario he wants to wrestle in the temple, but Dario practically runs away, <laughs> calling him a crazy fan. It's kind of funny the way Dario's reaction was to this guy. Like, he was, like, so afraid of him. You know, meanwhile, he's, like, with all these crazy guys in the temple in his office, like, you know, staring him down. He, he uh, acts so cool and calm. But for Marty the Moth, he was just afraid. Um, I thought that was a little funny. Go to the ring, and it's Cage versus King Quino versus Hernandez. This is a number one contenders match for Prince Puma's title. Or Drago's title, should Drago beat him tonight. Very nice start to the match. Hernando, Hernandez winds up hitting some move with striker coined and intestine buster. Really nice move. It's hard to explain. I guess in a way it's kind of like a Samoan drop but inverted. Uh, so he lands, you know, pretty much chest and gut first, which is why he called it that move. Uh, <laughs> Vampiro actually questions him if that's really the name of the move. And striker replies by saying, I guess it is now. That was a cute little moment. And then all of a sudden it runs in, Marty the Moth. How'd he get in? I don't know, but somehow we got in the arena. He runs in the ring. He is quickly attacked by all three men who send him packing. While this is, after this is going on, Hernandez knocks Cage from the ring, puts Cuerno away with an inverted sit outside power slam. 
gets the win. Two stars. Hernandez has looked good so far. Um, I like him better when he's a little slimmed down like he is now. I just feel like, and I felt the same way with Cage. I just feel like these guys just come out of nowhere and are being pushed a little too quickly right into programs uh, and main events. I feel that there's something that Lucha Underground does a bit often. Like they don't seem to let guys build. I mean, if you want to put somebody in a number one contenders match against Puma, um, why isn't it Pentagon Jr., who's won roughshod over this entire uh, company for the last, like, three months? So, you know, Hernandez is out of nowhere. It's his first match, basically, outside of the, the, the six men that he lost. And all of a sudden, he's getting a title shot. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that. Then uh, we go to the, a tape segment where Vampiro is doing a sit-down interview with the trio's champs, Angelico, Ivelisse, and Son of Havoc. They basically just continue to bicker the entire segment until Vampiro's had enough, and he just walks off and leaves them arguing. I, my guess with this thing is that eventually, very slowly, they'll start to gel into a unit. Um, as of right now, they hate each other, but yet they're still winning. And eventually, they'll start to come together as a unit. And when that happens, they'll lose. And then they'll be united in their quest to regain the titles. Kind of seen this story written before. And then it's time for our main event. Prince Puma versus Drago for the Lucha Underground title. If Drago is not successful, he is gone from the temple in Dario's words forever. Um, of course, there is no such thing as forever in professional wrestling. Yet, that is what Dario said. Uh, great action in this match. At one point, it seems like Puma is in firm control. But a knee strike to the chin and a beautiful reverse Frankensteiner, which drops Puma right on his head, almost wins the title for Drago. They wind up trading some impressive strikes in the center of the ring. Puma then hits what I've been calling the Copter Bomb for a near fall. Uh, until they come up with another name of it, it's the Copter Bomb for me. Uh, if Striker could come up with names for moves, I can too. Then Puma winds up putting Drago on his shoulders. I wasn't really sure what he was looking to do here. But when he does it, the ref gets caught with Drago's boot to the face. He's not kind of silly. Um, Drama winds up escaping from his shoulders and hits a Canadian destroyer, but there's no referee. Out comes Hernandez. Hernandez comes in the ring, and he does his running shoulder attack towards Puma, but he moves, and Drago gets taken out by it instead. Hernandez then decides to leave the ring. Puma is confused, but Conan, who's been ringside, is yelling at him to finish Drago off. He looks very Destroyed about it, but hits sort of a spinning Michinoku driver. Gets the victory. Three and a half stars I gave it. Interference may have caused this a little bit. Afterwards, Puma is very distraught in the ring about winning this way. Conan is trying to console him, but Puma's not having it. Very upset. Uh, he winds up going over to Drago. They embrace. He raises his hand. Fans give a standing ovation for Drago and chant his name as he leaves the arena with the credits starting to roll. 
And uh, after the credits finish rolling, we see we're in the catacombs, and Dario's there, almost like to confront Drago, but he doesn't say anything. And Drago says to him in English, until we meet again, and then like just like explodes into like a fireball or something, and uh, he's gone. Okay, that was a bit strange, but another excellent episode. Um, I really feel this show is even better than before. Almost, just almost like they listened to some of the criticisms that were given and made adjustments. Because a lot of stuff I really had problems with early on. I just don't see that much anymore. And uh, I got to say, wow, listening to your fans and, and tweaking what you do. What a novel idea. Maybe some other companies <laughs> should think about doing that. But uh, yeah, it's a great, great show. I said, I very rarely am disappointed with either one of these two shows. We are talking today. It's Cinco de Mayo. So we have another day before the new Lucha Underground and another three or four days before the new Ring of Honor. So I do have some New Japan stuff to record on my Strong Style podcast with New Japan. Uh, we'll try to get that done the next day or so. And then. Uh, hopefully, I will. Ha- I'll be back here. We, I'm going to try to do either the, the two ladies shows, or the evolve show, or maybe just one of each. We'll figure it out. But um, I will be back before we return with another lucha underground slash Nevada report. Um, I'll be back with something else soon. And like I said, if you love New Japan Pro Wrestling, check out my other podcast, Strong Style Wrestling Podcast. Um, you can find it on Blogspot. You can find it on iTunes. And it's basically all about the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, that's it for that plug. And that's it for this show. And I hope you enjoyed. And thanks for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.